What are some of the factors that may make Puerto Rico a compelling destination for Opportunity Zone investment, particularly in a post-COVID world? Find out next. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Opportunity Zones podcast, the weekly show where we interview Opportunity Zones professionals and experts from fund managers to tax advisors, from real estate developers to venture capitalists. If it impacts Opportunity Zones or the Opportunity Funds industry, we cover it here on the Opportunity Zones podcast. Welcome to the Opportunity Zones podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Atkinson. What makes Puerto Rico unique in the Opportunity Zone world? Here to discuss this with me today are Adrian Beals and Eric Berman from Life of Our Capital. Eric is Chief Investment Officer at Life of Our Capital, and Adrian is Life of Our's Director of Sales. They come to us internationally today. Eric joins us today from San Juan, Puerto Rico, and Adrian comes to us all the way from Medellin, Colombia. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jimmy. Looking forward to the show today. Thanks for having us, Jimmy. Yeah, great to have both of you on with me today. And I think this is going to be a very informative episode for any investors out there who are intrigued by the possibility of Opportunity Zone investing in the Caribbean and in particular in Puerto Rico. So, Adrian, let me turn to you for my first question here. Wanted to talk about, I've, I've, I've covered Puerto Rico a little bit on this show in the past, but it's been a while since we had a Puerto Rico centric episode. So to recap for anyone who may already be familiar or to introduce this concept to anyone new listening, could you go over Puerto Rico's unique space in the Opportunity Zone world? Yeah, for sure, Jimmy. I mean, Puerto Rico is quite interesting because about 97% of the island is actually an Opportunity Zone. And obviously, unlike the mainland US, uh, it's a Caribbean island. So there's some really unique opportunities in Puerto Rico. On top of that, which we'll get into later today, and Eric will touch on, there's a whole variety of different tax incentives on the island. A uh, big part of that is due to the recovery effort from Hurricane Maria. And those incentives coupled with opportunity zones make it a really, really unique uh, investment opportunity for investors. Uh, very good, Adrian. Yeah, it's, it's incredible that so much of the island was designated as an opportunity zone. Uh, they carved out that special exception for them because of the, the hurricane, as, as you rightly point out. Uh, Eric, I'm going to turn to you now and ask you, uh, maybe you can give me the case for why Puerto Rico as an opportunity zone investing destination. You know, I've heard from some investors who are a little bit wary about investing in the Caribbean and, and in Puerto Rico, particularly with a uh, hospitality-themed investment like Life of Our Capital offers. But uh, post-COVID-19, do you think that tourism will come back to previous levels? Give us the case for why Puerto Rico and why Puerto Rico specifically is a post-COVID-19 tourism destination. Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things to think about. Um, as we break down for Opportunity Zone investors, why Puerto Rico is unique. One would be on just a macro basis of what types of real estate assets you're looking to invest in, right? So for multifamily or office investors, a lot of those opportunities lie throughout cities in the United States, the, the mainland U.S., while investors looking for hotel opportunities, uh, they would probably be hard-pressed to find beachfront opportunities like we have in Puerto Rico in, in cities in the U.S. So I think that's one opportunity to diversify a bit of your portfolio and where you're placing the capital. Puerto Rico, 
from a hospitality and travel destination standpoint, I think um, provides a lot in a post-COVID-19 environment. And before COVID, there were a lot of issues that Puerto Rico had with Hurricane Maria. There was the earthquake and the economic downturn. But uh, we really believe that it's, it's positioned for a boom. Um, recently, I think it was USA Today that had it, did a poll of, of travelers in the U.S. looking to travel outbound. And Puerto Rico was top number one on the destination list. I think for there's just so much uncertainty with foreign restrictions and navigating a foreign country for going somewhere else and, and determining how do I get a, a PCR test to return to the U.S.? Am I going to have any issues there? Are there going to be any shutdowns? I think people just feel safe coming to Puerto Rico, being that it is the U.S., um, no passport required. Everything works here just like it does in the mainland U.S. And so I think there's going to be a huge boom of tourism here. Um, and we're already seeing it. I live in San Juan, and I'm definitely already noticing a lot more activity. And, yeah, you're right to point out that it is part of the United States. I've been to Puerto Rico a handful of times. It can feel like a foreign destination. Uh, you know, the language there is predominantly Spanish, and uh, everything's just a little bit different down there, different customs than in the mainland, but it is part of the United States, so that makes it very convenient. You don't need a passport, and uh, particularly with the current restrictions on needing to get tested to come back to the United States from a foreign entity, it uh, it does make things much more convenient. That's a good point. That's a good point, Eric. Adrian, turning to you now, what is Puerto Rico doing to further incentivize investment in tourism long term on the island? You know, we're speaking about how Puerto Rico may be a great post-COVID-19 destination in the previous question, but you know what? It's, it's still kind of a tough play at the moment. What is, what is Puerto Rico doing to further incentivize investment in hotel projects or other tourism-related projects on the island? Yeah, so Jimmy, so one of the things that I think is really interesting about Puerto Rico in the tourism space too is that, you know, there's a large shortage of hotel rooms. This was uh, even pre-Hurricane Maria, um, and obviously pre-COVID-19, they had a, a great year in 2019, was, one, was a boom in tourism. Um, but they've created these, these tourism tax incentives because they're making a long-term play for tourism as, as part of their economy. The fact that they'll give uh, developers up to 40% 40, 40 of the development cost uh, back in either new development or redevelopment projects. But that really, to me, shows that uh, they're investing in the tourism industry and these are stacked on top of Opportunity Zone benefits. So what does this mean? It means that investors in, in projects that are hospitality projects in Puerto Rico essentially are getting a large percentage of the project value back in these tax credits, which are sellable, which really brings down your, your need to leverage, uh, to high, high amounts of leverage, to have high amounts of leverage. So if we look at a lot of deals in the, in the mainland US, they may be using 70 or 80% loan to value uh, on their debt and equity stack, whereas in Puerto Rico, you know, we're able to get away with 40 or 50%, which is really quite conservative. And a lot of that is because of the fact that there are these tourism tax credits in place. Uh, it also allows you to look at options like refinancing after three or four years of operations. So it really, really bolsters the returns for investors and minimizes the risk. Uh, so I think it's, it's a really great incentive that marries up really, really well with Opportunity Zone incentives. Yeah, I think that's a really good point you bring up there, Adrian. Uh, there are oftentimes, not just in Puerto Rico, but all over the United States, there's oftentimes 
state incentives or other local tax credits or incentives that can be stacked with the Opportunity Zone program. And certainly there are no shortage of those available in Puerto Rico. The Puerto Rico government has done quite a bit to incentivize capital flow onto the island. So to whatever extent any deal sponsor or fund issuer can use their expertise to take advantage of all of these extra tax incentives and tax credits that are specific to Puerto Rico, you can oftentimes layer them onto Opportunity Zones as as Opportunity Zones cover such a wide area of the island, almost every single not not every single, but almost every single census tract on the island is an opportunity zone, as we alluded to in the intro. Uh, it can definitely juice the returns all that much more. Eric, turning to you again now, I want to go into the benefits of a U.S. taxpayer relocating to Puerto Rico. Uh, I had spoken in a previous episode of this podcast with Maria Rivera at Kevin Grant Thornton about Act 2022, which is now uh, renamed Act 60. Maybe you could tell us a little bit more about Act 60 and, and how that could potentially be driving high net worth individuals and, and other major U.S. taxpayers to the island. So the Act 60 is really the consolidated incentive code now. And um, there's two main parts of that that I think apply to our conversation here. One is the Act 2022, which is an individual basis that incentivizes pretty much high net worth individuals to relocate to Puerto Rico. Um, another, another code section of the, of the Incentive Act 60, which is relevant to us, is the tourism tax credit. This was formerly called Act 74. And what it allows is the types of projects we do in tourism, you can take up to 40% of the total project cost back in a tax credit. And those tax credits are sold on the secondary market for, let's just say, 90 cents on the dollar on average. Um, and so they really it boosts the equity returns on development projects like the ones that we undertake. Uh, from a, the Act 2022 community, the individual relocating here, why you might ask, why is that relevant to constructing luxury hotels on the island? Uh, well, naturally, these people that are living here will look for places to vacation, whether it's a weekend getaway or a uh, staycation. And I think that it's, it just goes into improving the visitor economy and, and having products to serve that segment. So I think it, it's, a, it's a huge win-win. Do you have examples of individuals who, who have moved there because of the action? You go into detail on, on how it would work exactly. Say um, I or, or somebody else wanted to actually undertake uh, taking advantage of Act 60 and Act 74. What's the process for doing it? How long does it take? Do you have any information on that? Yeah, so I'm not an expert. I'll qualify with that. But um, the, the huge advantage of it is that you don't have any taxes on dividend interest, in, dividend income, interest income um, gains. Uh, the main requirement, and you have a low income tax rate, on an effective basis, but the main requirement is a physical presence and really relocating your life to Puerto Rico. So the rule of thumb is six months, 180 days here spent on the island. There are a number of other guidelines of how to um, open bank accounts and show that really you're relocating the center of your life here. Uh, but that's the main, the main thing is a physical presence and you can reap those benefits. And yeah, those are some some major benefits for sure, uh, reducing the taxes 
like you are able to. And hey, it's not a bad place to live either. Pretty nice weather um, outside of hurricane season, at least, and beautiful beaches. Adrian, let me turn to you now. I'd like to hear more about um, how we can incentivize more Opportunity Zone investment in Puerto Rico. I think a lot of that has to do with the existing infrastructure there and a lot of it being in need of repair or renovation. What are some of the major infrastructure investments that are happening right now in Puerto Rico? So, Jimmy, there's been um, obviously a lot of talk about the funds that were getting allocated to Puerto Rico uh, post-Hurricane Maria. And it's quite interesting. There was $13 billion of additional FEMA funds announced by the Trump administration. Um, And more recently, we're starting to see some of these funds come through. So uh, only recently, uh, PREPA announced a $10.7 billion energy grid revitalization program, which is obviously a, a major investment in infrastructure on the island. And one that's a little close to home for us was uh, in November, a $135 million upgrade of the Aguadilla International Airport, which is um, an international airport on the West Coast, which has direct flights to New York, for example. Um, So there's been some major actual announcements recently of these funds getting put to use on the island, which is great to see. And all of that makes Opportunity Zone investing and undertaking QOZB projects or other Opportunity Zone real estate deals all that much more enticing, whether you are an individual investor or a fund issuer or a business or or real estate deal sponsor. Absolutely, I think those major infrastructure investments will go a long way toward incentivizing further investment in the island. I want to talk about what LivaFAR is doing specifically on the island. Uh, You guys have two projects that are underway currently, I believe. Eric, let me turn to you now. Could you go into detail on the two funds and the two single asset projects that you have underway on the island? Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about uh, what asset class they're in and and where they're located. Sure. So our first project that we're undertaking here is a luxury boutique hotel in Old San Juan. We acquired the property in May of 2019, and we're about a little more than halfway through construction at the moment. Uh, The way that we structure these opportunities, there are single asset funds, and uh, the second project is structured the same way. So we have a parent company, which is a qualified opportunity fund, the QOF, and that entity receives all the investment from the capital, the the opportunity zone investors, excuse me. And then there's the operating entity, which owns the asset, develops the project, and that entity is 100% owned by the QOF. So I think one thing that makes Life of Our Capital stand out is that we structure the opportunities and then present them to the investors. And so the assets are already identified. It's not a blind discretionary fund. Um, and investors can really choose whether they believe in that specific project and would like to invest in the opportunity. The Old San Juan Hotel, to tell you a little bit more about the specifics of both projects, the Old San Juan Hotel will be about 55 rooms, uh, ranging from standard size to suites. It'll have a restaurant and cafe and bar on the ground floor, a fitness center, and then the rooftop, which will will have a swimming pool and a rooftop and lounge area. Uh, we're right at the entrance of Old San Juan, so we don't have to fight traffic. Um, we're really excited about that project. And then that will also play nicely into this beachfront property that we're developing in Rincon. Uh, a lot of travelers 
who come to Puerto Rico always would like to spend a couple of days in the city, um, particularly visit old San Juan. And then being that you're in the Caribbean on an island, they want to go to the beach. So the project that we're developing in Rincon and we are um, actively syndicating capital for it still is going to be, it's a renovation and expansion project of a distressed asset that we're picking up. And it's going to come to 60 total rooms and it'll also be luxury upscale, very upscale luxury, um, have a variety of restaurants and bars and, and have a new fitness center and spa. And it'll be, it'll maintain a strong focus on sustainability, ecotourism. Uh, we want to play to the, the traveler sentiment of 360 health and wellness as well. Um, so we're excited about it and think that not only does it provide great opportunity for investment and, and particularly opportunity zone investors, um, but it provides, it provides us a unique position in the market as an operator in managing those properties. Yeah, and I've I've seen both properties and they they look phenomenal. I know you're offering that that second one that you're developing, the luxury beachfront property in Rincon. You're offering it under a non-disclosure agreement, so you're not able to go into too much detail on on what it is exactly. Uh, but I've seen it and it it looks phenomenal, uh, if I may say so. So what's really interesting about the the second investment opportunity we have on the island is it is a really iconic asset. So it's an asset that's won lots of awards. You know, it's been mentioned in Forbes, in Condenas Traveler, and the investors who are buying the asset are obviously buying the land, the business, uh, and that reputation. And it's it's an asset that's had celebrity guests for many decades now. And we actually pitched this, for those of you who want to see it, we actually pitched this uh, in November. We launched it in November on the pitch day that Jimmy held. So if you want to check out a little bit of a, a glimpse of the video and of the, of the project, uh, you can go to Jimmy's website and look at that video there. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for bringing that up, Adrian. I'll I'll be sure to link to that video from the OZ pitch day that we did uh, just back November 2020, just a just a few short months ago. So uh, yeah, it's very fresh the material there, and I'll, I'll again I'll be sure to link to that on the show notes page at opportunitydb.com/podcast. Now, some of the criticism of the program uh, might be directed at luxury hotel projects such as the ones that Life of Our Capital is building, I'd like Adrian, you to try to dispel the notion that luxury properties can't generate social impact or provide value for the residents um, in the communities where the luxury hotels are, are being built. Give us the case for why these properties, uh, both the one in Old San Juan and the newer one, the luxury beachfront hotel in Rincon, are delivering huge value to the current residents there and are going to bring positive social impact and economic impact to the areas. Sure, Jimmy. Well, I think the thing that's really interesting about the hotel developments versus other real estate developments is, you know, something like a multifamily, you develop it and then that's it. There's not many ongoing operational jobs. Whereas a hotel asset is not just real estate, it's also a business. So we've got construction jobs that we're creating. And the first project, we've already created more than 40 construction jobs. Uh, for the second project, we're looking at uh, over 100 construction jobs. We're looking at uh, north of 150 ongoing hospitality jobs. And we're also looking at 150 indirect jobs to the local economy. So if you look at the second asset, we're talking 10,000 guests plus 
per year. Now, when they come, yes, they will spend a lot of time in the hotel, but they'll also go and participate in local activities. They may, may hire paddleboarding. They may go to a local restaurant. So all of these things are stimulating the local economy. And the jobs, of course, are all being sourced locally. So, you know, we're hiring and training local people. And because it's a high-end uh, boutique luxury hotels, these are, better, these are well-paying jobs. So I think that's the key with a hotel versus other real estate assets is there's a large amount of ongoing jobs, actually more ongoing jobs than there are in the direct construction jobs. Yeah, Adrian, I think you hit that spot on. And one thing that you alluded to was really on a macro level, the visitor economy. And I think luxury hospitality is a necessary part of that, as is any other segment of hospitality and bringing visitors to the island. And it stimulates other economic activity, whether it's, it's fishermen who are delivering produce to the restaurants there on property, or it's um, people giving tours or different sports activity operators. It really goes deeper than just the direct jobs that are being provided on the property um, and the dollars coming into the hotel operator. So, Jimmy, we talked about a little bit about the upper upscale and luxury hospitality segments. Uh, and why we're playing in that field. And I think it's important to, to kind of grasp that uh, the luxury segment is the most resilient, typically. And through cycles, uh, it, it will hold strongest. And in a post-COVID environment, I know I have you know friends and colleagues that I've chatted with about the hotel markets and acquisition activity. And uh, people are looking for, from, from an investment standpoint, people are looking for hotels that are not dependent on group and banquet business, having these large business conferences. I think the corporate travel sector is going to take a while to rebound, while the leisure travel sector is definitely going to rebound a lot quicker. And so people are looking for more boutique hotels, experience-based, um, getting to know the local culture. And the travel trends are moving away from um, larger hotels with a lot of space to fill up. Yeah, that's a good point as well, Eric. Uh, I think it's that's important for investors to be aware of is that you know this is a luxury; th these are luxury properties that you're you're constructing, and they are going to generate some some income. But they're also doing quite a bit of good in the communities where they're being built, uh, and you know no need to apologize for that. Uh, well, gentlemen, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. I hope today's episode has given our listeners a little taste of what Opportunity Zone investing in Puerto Rico can be like. Uh, before we go today, could you tell our listeners where they can go to learn more about you and Life of Far Capital and your qualified Opportunity Zone projects that are underway? Sure, Jimmy. I think the easiest way for people to get in contact with us is our website, which is lifeofrcapital.com, uh, and you can find all the information on our offerings on the website. That's lifeofrcapital.com. Fantastic. And for our listeners out there today listening to today's episode, I will, as always, have show notes available on the Opportunity Zones database website. You can find those show notes at opportunitydb.com slash podcast and there you'll find links to all of the resources that eric adrian and i discussed on today's show and i'll be sure to link to lifeofrcapital.com and you can find out more about their projects and how you might be able to invest in their qualified opportunity funds adrian eric thank you so much for joining me today i appreciate it thanks jimmy thanks jimmy that's it for our show today 
A huge thank you to you, our listener. If you liked this episode, please rate and review us on iTunes. The Opportunity Zones podcast is produced by the Opportunity Database. Visit OpportunityDB.com to learn more about Opportunity Zones and Opportunity Zone Fund investing. You can learn how to subscribe to this podcast and read more about today's guest in the show notes by visiting OpportunityDB.com slash podcast. And we'll be back soon with another episode.